When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the family with Sage, <laughs> Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen, co-host Catherine Brandt, Tevin Pittman, and Andy Brandt-Bernard. We're all here. The family's all here. I, gonna, except for Fawny, of course. Where's Fawn? She's at school, and I accidentally told our summer nanny that I needed her on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. So mm-hmm. we'll have to figure that out. <laughs> Uh, text messaging. You need a AI Thursday secretary. I need, I need a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> but that you would be really nice to have an AI secretary. Speaking of AI, I just oh, read dear. an article about how all of these people are quiet quitting. You've, oh, quiet quitting. Yeah, yeah. quiet quitting. No, but, what, but what they're doing now, yeah. it's a whole new thing. It's now it morphed into something else. Oh. Now everybody has two jobs. Mm-hmm. And one of them is done with AI. Yeah. How are you doing your second job with AI? They're not. What? Well, and I mean, it depends on what the job is. Like, you probably pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. Like, it's like some data entry stuff. Like, yeah. Really? <clears throat> or if what it's like multiple anyway, work from home jobs. Where it's like, they were talking about writing marketing materials and all this kind of mar- marketing jobs, especially in AI the chat, whatever GPT, that thing. GPT, yeah. GPT. Right, like, hey, write an ad you for can such and such. But they're not marketing. Good. No, they're not no. good. No. Haven't you played the pizza thing? Uh, yes. Oh, I mean, I it's, they're not good. I did not hear it. It's, it looks and sounds You have to watch great. it. Well, yeah, maybe, you have to watch maybe it more than some people are just really good at, do you program chat GPT? No. Do you just tell mm. it what you want? Yeah, it's a website. It's... A thing that's just or, out there. I've never tried doing it. I mean, no matter how well you program AI, it's going to produce something that's written by someone with like maybe a tenth grade education. Yeah, like remember? No, you probably don't. Smarter child. No, it's AIM, basically yeah. it's basically smarter child. You're too old. You're too young. <laughs> Andy and I are right. Yeah, in the we did smarter, smarter child. child. It's basically it is. It's smarter child. And that <laughs> yeah, that was like 20 child. years ago. And that was so. like yeah. It's not like everybody's saying that this Chat GPT is like amazing and taking over everything. And I'm no. like, this isn't any better than Smarter Child was. No. Like there's this gal that I follow on Instagram, and she talked to the Chat GPT and asked her about herself. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Give me some information about yeah, it'll blah, just blah, like blah. write a bunch of crap that sounds right, yeah, but and it's doesn't not. actually mean anything." She's like, "Half of it was right." Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. Is so uh, how ChatGPT works is it was trained. So it's basically it's a computer program. Sure. You give it a bunch of information, and then you say, "Describe this information," and it'll describe it, and you'll say, "Either that's right or that's wrong," and if it's wrong, it'll just try again. And if it's wrong, it'll try again until you say it's right. So that's how it learns well, what... that sounds very time-consuming. It is very time-consuming, and it has to be trained on um, a lot of different people trained it. So they'd go in and they'd say, like, you know, describe Romeo and Juliet, and they would just say, no, try again until it got it right. The problem is the people who trained it aren't necessarily terribly intelligent. So... When it produces something that's wrong that they don't know is wrong, but it sounds right, Uh. they tell it that it is right. So it has a tendency to produce answers that sound right if you don't know what it's talking about, Hmm. but aren't. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it is still right a lot of the time, but it's not like – there's no intelligence behind it. No. None at all. It just uses – it's like a little chat thing that Googles things for you. Basically, yeah. yeah. Well, this whole article made it sound like this is the reason why bosses should get these people back into the office. Because if they're doing three jobs at the same time and all they have to do is log in by 9.55 and they're good. People always half-assed their jobs. Right. If you can half-ass four or three jobs at once, like... 
Okay. Cool. Good for Good you. For well, you. So yeah. if you have one employee that's willing to come in and work hard, that's probably worth four, three employees. Mm-hmm. So you might yeah. as well just weed them out and get a good Well, employee. I don't know. It depends because there's a lot of jobs that they're like, as long as you get your work done, we don't care what you do. It is true. Right. Yeah. If you can get eight hours worth of work done in four hours and take a nap the rest of the day. Yeah. Go for go it. Ahead. Well, I agree with that. 100%. Yeah. If you yeah. can get yeah. your work done. But right. yeah. you can't be doing a good job if you're running three different jobs on you know in a day well it depa- i suppose it depends on you know i could see somebody that does copywriting or stuff like that mm-hmm. being able to do a couple different things because like oh i just have to get this copy out mm-hmm. at some point this week for like or mundane you know. tasks that don't yeah. require any right. creativity yeah. or thought really or lots of That's, meetings or, right. yeah. if you're like somebody's assistant you could probably be yeah. multiple people's assistant yes. working from home yeah okay we should have uh your copywriters start doing some chat really? GPT copy and see how it turns out. <gasps> that would yeah, be, be great. You should just do a show of purely <laughs> chat GPT copy. Of what, yeah, what, what chat GPT thinks that I should say. Yeah. I already have Sage for that. I don't need chat That's true. Sage. He will correct every word that what comes out of your mouth up? if given what a chance. What should Bob Bob say? Toodaloo. Toodaloo. I just leave. I should just leave. Toodaloo, Bob Bob. He's cracking himself up. You pill. I can't see your eyes, though, Sage. You're sitting too low. Well, he can't be on this thing anyway, so. No. Why not? Oh. I don't want him on the. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Well, social just... media. But this isn't live. This is just. Ay, ay, ay. Here, I'll tilt it down so I can. <laughs> oh, wait. No, anyway, it's this. So... <laughs> it's this thing. There you go. Now we can see Sagey. Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm working my other job right now. I'll what, be with what's you What's that? What's the other job? job. She's a copywriter. I quiet quitted. <laughs> oh, you quiet quitted. She's quiet quitting <laughs> this right now. In front of on another podcast. I'm looking for a chat GPT extra podcast. <laughs> Don't so I can make no money at those two. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We have TJ on the line. TJ Newman, ladies and gentlemen, her second novel, Drowning the Rescue of Flight 1421, uh, published, as a matter of fact, just uh, yesterday. So, uh, TJ, how are you? I'm... I'm doing great. I can't believe that was only yesterday. I feel like I've lived three lifetimes since then. (laughs) Since May 30th, and it's May 31st today, so that's good. Uh, But uh, were they three good lifetimes? That's what I want to know. You know, it's it's. I say that because I've just been overwhelmed for the past day of well wishers from family and friends and complete strangers who bought and read my book and are my first book and are excited to read my second book. And it's just 
it's been a whirlwind in the best, most overwhelming way possible. I bet. Mm, I could see that. And it doesn't hurt uh, to have people like James Patterson say it's the first terrific thriller of 2023. He, he might know what a good thriller is. You know what I'm saying? I, I do, and up comes that word surreal again, because yeah, to have James Patterson say something like that about a book he wrote is, well, it's, it's, it's a thriller writer's dream come true. Oh, I'm just reading through your bio here with the little bit of what your book is about. It sounds terrifying. <laughs> I have to say Wait, the book or it's kind of like my worst yeah. nightmare is what your book is about what? what's your worst nightmare <laughs> That's kind of the gig as a thriller writer, right? It's yeah, like, well, you I did a good job. <laughs> thank you, thank you, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Would you like to explain what your book is about so that people know so what So that everybody talking. knows what horrors you speak of, yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. there you go. My, uh, <laughs> my, my book that came out yesterday is called Drowning, The Rescue of Flight 1421, and it tells the story of a plane that goes down in the ocean six minutes after takeoff. <laughs> the passengers immediately evacuate until an explosion forces those who didn't get out in time to close the doors. But too late, plane floods and sinks with 12 people trapped inside, including the father and his 11-year-old daughter. Uh. And now their only hope at survival lies with an elite rescue team on the surface led by her mother and his soon-to-be ex-wife. And while the setup of that is, yes, it's scary, it's intense, and, and I won't sugarcoat it. It is. It's a, it's a real ride. That's just the setup, right? The, the story is actually about that family, that fractured family that's trying to come back together. It's about the lives of the 12 people who are inside that plane. It's a story of hope and love and resilience as the rescuers up above and the passengers down below work together in the race against time and impossible odds to save lives and bring that fractured family back together again. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it does indeed. I, I know. I do have to ask you a couple of questions. And I want to tell you one quick story, if that's all right. <laughs> that work for you, TJ? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, story time. Can you, because it doesn't say in the article, and if you don't want to tell me, you don't have to tell me, but can you tell us, uh, uh, did you just work for one airline as a flight attendant? Did you work across, uh, where did you work? I worked for 10 years at Virgin America, and yes, one airline, but with an asterisk. So we were, I started with Virgin America, but along the way we were bought by Alaska. So through that acquisition, it transitioned into Alaska. So I started with Virgin, ended with Alaska, and I flew for 10 years, all 10 of which were out of LAX. And we call it the family business. My mom is a flight attendant. My sister is a flight attendant. And... It's, it's, it's a job in an industry I love so much that I wrote two books that are essentially love letters to aviation and to the, the job of flight attendants and pilots. So I take it you've never been trapped in an airplane underwater. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a memoir. It's okay. No. Not a not memoir. A memoir. Yeah. All right. Just checking. <clears throat> But I actually, I actually just met someone recently, and I was being introduced, and, and the person that was introducing me said, you know, oh, she just wrote a book. It's coming out in a few weeks. You know, it's called Drowning, and, you know, this is whole thing. And the person looks at me and goes, is it a memoir? <laughs> <laughs> I looked at them, and I went, uh, it's titled Drowning. I hope not. Not almost drowned. <laughs> <laughs> almost drowning. There you go. There are two real Flight 1421s, though. Really? Southwest and American Airlines. They have 1421. So... Is that where you? Oh, I wonder if they're going to see reduced yeah. ticket sales. Oh, <laughs> way to go, <laughs> TJ! You ruined their business. I didn't, I didn't know that. Where are the routes? Uh, let's see. <laughs> American Airlines looks like Albuquerque to Dallas and so Birmingham no to Charlotte. Oh, I'll probably never take yep, those. No water. On, yeah, no, <laughs> no water. No, yeah, that's water. true. No There's water, not yeah. a lot of water there. <laughs> Uh oh, Southwest Honolulu to Oakland. Oh, oh I've never oh, taken that. TJ, <laughs> TJ, you cursed them. Are you serious? Really? <laughs> <laughs> that 
that a lot of water there. The flight in the book is Honolulu, San Francisco. Oh, Uh-oh. well. No. This is this sounds very uh, predictory. TJ. Uh-oh. I literally just picked four <laughs> random numbers. And, and the, the interesting thing was, so there's my backstory is that one of the things I speak most about is that I'm, I'm here talking to you guys in the victory lap, right? I'm a New York Times bestseller. This is my second book. I've got movie deals. It's like the victory lap. But my origin is anything but. I, I got a degree in musical theater, and I moved to New York, and I tried to make it on the great white way. And since we're not having a conversation about my next Broadway show, you can assume <laughs> how well that went. You and 20 so I million New other York people. And Exactly. Yes, I was. I was one of them, and so I left New York and I moved back home to Phoenix, which is where I'm from. And I moved in with my parents, and I did the whole, you know, twenty-something living in their parents' house again. You know, with a degree in musical theater, and the whole musical theater community just told me I wasn't good enough. Like, what am I going to do now? And I got a job at the local indie bookstore up the street, and. That's when I started dreaming again, right? Like, that's when I started giving myself self-permission to get back to my creative roots in a way that was a little less out there, a little less public of, you know, I'm going to go follow my dreams on Broadway. So I started writing at night, something I've always done my whole life, but I kind of put down while I was in New York. So I start writing stories at night in secret. I don't tell anybody. And my time at the bookstore was when my dream was, becoming a published author really became a concrete goal. Like I used to, when I would shelve books by authors with the last name Newman, which is my last name, I would take my thumb and I would cover up their first name and I would pretend that I was shelving my own book. You willed it to happen. And that's where, exactly, exactly. And when I left the store to be a flight attendant, because like I said, the opportunity came up, it's a family business, I knew I had to take it. It was at work that I had the idea for my first book and so I started writing that first book in the forward galley and I would write by hand uh on red eyes while the passengers were asleep and I would write you know on the back of a passenger manifest you know the back of a catering bill and just cobbled together a book flight after flight after flight and then when I started looking for an agent because that's what you know my google told me of what i needed to do if i wanted to get a book published because i didn't know anybody in publishing i didn't know i would was doing i literally bought a book called the essential guide to getting your book published and i just read it and followed the instructions and step one was get an agent so i sent my manuscript uh, uh to 41 agents all of whom rejected me and said no thank you and the 42nd agent was my one and only yes. Wow. And that book, that manuscript that I sent, debuted at number two on the New York Times bestseller list. See and what... I, I tell that whole story just to say he was the 42nd, which is kind of like a magical number to me now because of that. And only last week, someone wrote to me and said, I love that you put sort of a tribute to your 42nd agent in the title of the book. Flight one four two one, and I was like, it was like a light bulb went up over my head. I was like, I did not do that on purpose. That literally, <laughs> I just randomly chose numbers that sounded good because I think it was like you know seven, fourteen, twenty one, twenty eight. Like it just worked for me. And now you're bringing in this whole new wrinkle to the to the flight number. Way to go, <laughs> Catherine. Up. No, that was Andy. <clears throat> no, it was right. Yeah, it was right. You. It was Andy. Well, you should go play roulette. Yeah. <laughs> with those That's numbers. It. 42. Yeah. Right? 42 yeah. black. Here yeah. we go. Put it all on there. <laughs> 42 black. Here we go. <laughs> TJ, very quickly, I just want to tell you a very quick story about, uh, you know, I'm reading all, all the uh, information on you. And about 20 years ago, I was down in, uh, there's a place, uh, well, the Breakers Hotel. You know where that is down in Florida, right, TJ? I believe, yeah, I believe I do, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, they've got a, uh, a community that's just west of there by about 10, 11 miles. It's called Breakers West, okay? And they have a couple of golf courses in there. It's really, really a nice complex and all the rest of it. So one day, 
20 years ago, I walk out and I got, uh, you know, I'm not playing with anybody. I'm by myself. They said, well, well, we'll just team you up with another guy. He's by himself. So we go out there and we introduce one another, just first names. And we play a round of golf. About four hours later, I, and the guy was the nicest man, just very pleasant. If you hit a good shot, he'd be all praising you about your good shot. And we had a wonderful time. I just had a great time uh, the entire four hours. Then it was time to, you know, the round was over. We separated, and I said, hey, great playing with you. Really, really nice, and I hope uh, to play with you again sometime. And he left, and as I'm walking out the front door of the uh, country club, this person comes up and goes, I didn't know you knew him. And I said, what are you talking about? They said, well, you know who that is? And I said, no. He said, that's James Patterson. <clears throat> I played four rounds of four hours of golf with James Patterson, never even knew it was James Patterson. He's just a great guy. Isn't oh, that- that's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. It's so nice when, when people who's, you know, careers you respect and admire and, yeah. and, and people that you've seen from afar, when you actually meet them in person and they're lovely, it's so, it's so validating to, to the rest of the image that you, that you have of them. Didn't That's we, great. Didn't we have him on this show about a children's book that he yeah. wrote? Yeah, yep. he came yeah, we on. did. And I told him, told him about playing golf with him. He was, a, he was just, honest to God, TJ, he was just this very nice, very pleasant man. So the first uh, review of your book, I see the first terrific thriller of 2023, James Patterson. I'm like, man, this must be a great book if James loves it. I just and he didn't oh. pull the "Don't you know who I am?" Don't right. you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Big. Go rake my, rake my trap over there for him. That is. <laughs> Actually, I don't James remember Patterson. the guy's name, but one other time I played golf with a guy. Uh, this was about probably 25 years ago. It was not at Breakers West. It was a different place. Uh, and it, his name sounded very familiar to me. And I cannot remember his name, but uh, I found out uh, basically a couple of days later that he was in jail, uh, arrested for murder, that he had murdered someone a few days oh, earlier and then played oh, golf with me. Good. So that was a real thrill too, TJ. How nice. You on the golf course is a is a very interesting pairing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. We should yeah. do a reality show about you on the golf course. We should. Hey, let's go play golf with Tom. <laughs> you could either write several bestsellers or kill someone. It'd be great. It'd be wonderful. Yeah. yeah. But in any case, it, 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 let me ask you a question because it always seems to me uh, writing a book is very very hard work, isn't it? Or are you just so tremendously talented you don't even notice? Is that the plan? <laughs> Say yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I can't even. I can't even lie and, and pretend to say yes. No, right Dashed it off in an hour. It's it's tough. It is tough work. It's tough work, and and you know some of the toughest part of of that is getting out of your own way. You know, my first sure. book was tremendously successful, and there's pressure and expectations with the follow up and. You know, I put a lot of pressure and expectations on myself because people really came out and supported me on my first book, and they were entertained, and they let me know it. They let me know how much they liked that book and how much they appreciate it and how excited they were for the next one. And I'll tell you what, when you buy and a book and take the time to read it, that is a gift that you are giving to that author that... I do not take lightly or take for granted. I mean, to give someone the privilege of your time and attention, your time and attention is the most valuable resource you have. And, and I'm, I was so aware of how grateful I was to my readers that I really wanted to write another good book for them. I wanted to reward that with another good story. Mm-hmm. And... And I, the pressure was intense at first, but I finally just had to get out of my own way and discipline myself and say, this isn't about you. This is about them. This is about this story, and this is about your readers. So your ego and your fears and whatever you have going on, it is not nearly as important as your readers and this story that you need to tell. So get your priorities in mind. And that was the only way that I could really, you know, um, sit down and and write the story that I I needed to write. And I'm exceptionally proud of the book and the story that I was able to tell. And I really rooted for these characters, and I really love these characters. And and so far, the reviews have been very very excitingly 
fantastic, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Well, that is terrific. Now, let's go back to the very beginning. So you're a flight attendant. What inspired you to write that first book? Do you remember? Oh, do I ever remember. I was working a red-eye from L.A. to JFK. That's my route. That was what I did the most. Um, and I was standing at the front of the cabin, and <clears throat> I'm looking out into the plane. It's dark. It's cold. Everyone's asleep. Quiet. It's a red eye. And I have this thought that their lives, and my life, and my crewmates' lives, and all of our lives are in the hands of the pilots. Mm-hmm. Which is not mm-hmm. revolutionary. I mean, yeah, they're flying the plane. That's fairly obvious. But... It was the first time that I thought of the flip side of that, which is that with that much power and responsibility, how vulnerable does that make the pilot? And I couldn't shake the thought. And a few days later, I was working a different trip with a different set of pilots. And one day, I just said to the captain, I said, hey, what would you do if, um, I don't know, your family was taken and you were told that if you didn't crash the plane, they would be killed. What would you do? Ooh. Wow. Dark and thoughts. Like, <laughs> 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 it's a thriller, not a, not a rom-com. Right. You know, thriller, <laughs> not a romance, it's a thriller. The look on his face when I asked him that question, it terrified me. Because I realized that he didn't have an answer. And I could tell that terrified him. And that was the moment that I knew I had the makings of my first book. And obviously, like, working as a flight attendant for 10 years, you're going to meet, it's like almost like being a bartender or hairdresser where people are going to maybe, you're going to overhear things that people wouldn't normally tell just everyday person. Was there, like, any families or passengers that stood out as inspiration for the characters in your book? You know, it's, it's, I always call the job of the flight attendant as being a professional people watcher because that's just what we do. We, we've got a hundred some strangers that we've never met before on every single flight, and we are trained to be situationally aware and trained to be reading them. We're trained to look at, you know, ooh, this man looks like he could be sick. Is this going to snowball into a medical emergency once we're at altitude? Does this woman appear to be intoxicated? Does Why is that man crying? What's going on there? Like, we're constantly aware of what's going on around us with these people and trying to figure out how to mitigate a crisis or avoid a crisis. Essentially, that's the whole point. Um, And I look back now and I go, well, that's just character study. I'm just observing human behavior, which is nothing but, but character study of who is this person? What's their backstory? What's their deal? What are they about? And that's, that's the job of a writer is, coming up with backstories and, and rich personal lives for people that you don't know. And so I think 10 years of being exposed to hundreds of strangers every single day really, you know, lent myself to that being the inspiration for all these characters and, and all, all the worlds. Both, both of my books are large ensemble um, cast of characters who you know, I, in my first book, I describe it as the bell curve of society. When you're on a plane, it's come one, come all. You know, it's, it's you're going to get a little bit of everything. And so I'm fascinated by that idea of who are these people? And if something goes sideways, what personalities are going to come out? What are these people going to be like? And that's, you know, my, both my books are the theme of ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances on the worst day of their lives. God, what a story that is. Now, I do need to mention something, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you're going to get TJ's autograph on your book, you better get, get in line because apparently falling TJ's first book is being made into a major motion picture. Look at you. Big shot. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Falling um, Universal and Working Title are, are going to be making Falling, which is incredible. And actually, Drowning has a movie deal as well. Warner Brothers is going to be making Drowning. So both my books have movie deals, which is just, I mean, let's recall it to the top. That word's surreal. Like, I don't Jeez. have a better word to describe it other than that. That's amazing. I mean, it's 
rare that somebody with just two books out has optioned both of them. Right. And, yeah. And how in, how involved cool. are you in the like development of the movie process? Are they just kind of taking your book and doing their own thing, or do you get to kind of sit in on any of the production meetings? Well, for Drowning, I am an executive producer, which is pretty Ooh. cool. And then with Falling, I'm actually adapting it. I'm actually writing the screenplay for Falling. Wow. Oh, you know what? You should put a scene in there where James Patterson's playing golf with this morning show guy. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. You could get involved. As she was talking, Tom, I was thinking about you, how you notice everything about everybody everywhere you go. Look mm -hmm. at that guy over there, the way he's wearing his hat. Look at that guy over there, the way he's chewing his food. Look at yeah. that guy over there, he's doing... I'm like, what? Who are these people? I don't what even notice anything. About? You like notice every minute thing about people. So what's your point? I'm just saying, you could be an author. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. If you could ever just Except sit down. every book would be very negative. That's the problem. Well, I think there's probably a market for that. <laughs> yeah, there might be. That's true. That's probably true. But that, uh, TJ, it's so great to hear that, that. Now, how many years ago did that day uh, occur, occur to you on that day that, hey, I'm going to start writing book? How many years ago was that you, you thought about writing Falling? You know, I wish I would have wrote down the exact date that I had that conversation and that I started working on it because I honestly don't know. My first book, I was working as a full-time flight attendant the whole time, and I wrote that over a long period of time um, because, like I said, sometimes all I had was five minutes. Sometimes I had, you know, two hours. Mm -hmm. It really just depended, and I, I wrote that book over a long period of time, but 2017 to 2019 was the period of time where it was like, okay, if I'm going to... If I'm going to actually make this thing happen, I need to make this thing happen. And that's when I really buckled down and and got that book into the shape that it needed to be in uh, to send out. And November of 2019 is when I started working with my agent. And we started uh, getting the book ready to go and, and doing all that. And then the pandemic hit, which kind of threw a cog into pretty much a wrench into the cog of pretty much all of <laughs> everything, you know, that all of us did. Um but so I spent most of the pandemic working on uh, following my first book, and then it came out in July of 2021, and now May of 2023 is my follow-up. It's so amazing, though, TJ. Look back, you look back five years, and <clears throat> did you realize, I mean, my God, five years later, you have uh, not one but two best-selling books. you got a couple of movies coming out. It's a pretty good five-year period. You, you kind of took advantage of the uh, pandemic there, didn't you? You know, the, the, Churchill, he's got one of my favorite quotes, never waste a good crisis. <laughs> right? It's, it's Very good. Never waste a good crisis. And that was, that was a crisis that, you know, we all sort of had to step back and go, this is bigger than me. And, and it felt like, you know what, the best thing I can do to actually help my fellow neighbor is to stay out of the price. So me staying in my house and writing a book actually felt like a responsible thing to do in that. So it, in a weird way, almost gave me kind of some purpose to be doing that during the pandemic because it was like, well, at least I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of doing my part to not kind of make it any worse and not, you know, being a bigger uh, tax on the medical system. So, but yeah, that's, that's what I did. That's how I distracted myself and kept myself busy during the pandemic. Geez, all I ever did was learn how to make a good martini. Right, and some sourdough bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what? One would consider that skill on par and important. <laughs> I certainly that. did during the pandemic. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, even, oh, yeah. even just your journey of how you got to the point where you're writing a book is a very successful story. I mean, you go from yeah. getting rejected in on Broadway, which was your, I'm assuming at that point, your lifelong dream, and then to now turn that into a whole new career that's kind of in the same entertainment vein now you're writing mm -hmm. movies like it's it's a very much so a success story yeah i'm a storyteller i've known since day one of of being on this planet that's what i do my brain just is hardwired that way and i'm i'm going to be surrounded by stories and telling stories and coming up with stories and that's just what i've pursued my whole life and and i think that initial go in new york with um so much you know pushback and rejection and such a headwind. I'm not sure I'd be where I am now without that initial thickening of the skin, if you will. No, I think it's a good way to put it, thickening of the sure. skin. You have a great 
story, uh, TJ, uh, now you're still living in Phoenix, which it's much nicer there in the winter than it is in Minnesota. I'd like to point that out. I, you know what? I went to college in central Illinois. I'm a native of Phoenix, Arizona, and then I went to college in central Illinois and discovered what you guys, that, that whole winter thing with the, the white stuff that comes down from the sky. And it was, it was a uh, culture shock, to be sure. The first time I ever shoveled a driveway, I, I can remember being like, are people okay that, like, do this all the time? Like, is everyone okay? But then you come to Phoenix in the middle of July, and oh. you have the exact same question oh, for yeah. us. You'll say, are you okay? Why are you here? This is torture. This yeah. is a cry for help. What's wrong with you? A little toasty. A little toasty. It's hot in an oven. Yes. yes, it is hot in an oven. Well, I, one of these days you're going to have to go on tour around the country and sell some books, and you have to come come into studio. It would be great to have you in studio. I would I would love that. And I'm actually in the middle. I'm on the first day of my tour. I'm in L.A. as we speak, and I'm doing a 12-city a tour all around the country. You coming anywhere near us in Minneapolis-St. Paul? Chicago's the closest I'm going to get. It's only a seven-hour drive. Yeah, it's not that big yeah. a deal. No, the, only reason, the only reason I ask you that, TJ, is Minnesota is known and has been for many, many, many years to be the most voracious readers in the country. Minnesotans love to read books. Long, dark winters will. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> long, dark winters will do that. Turn people into readers. That's true. Yeah. I know that, and I know you have a thriving art community You're theater and your art yep. mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, I know it is thriving. It's really a, it's a sleeper city that most people don't know has this huge cultural epicenter to it, but you really do. It, there's really incredible, incredible mm-hmm. theater and incredible museums in, uh, in Minneapolis. It's, it's, it's true. It is wonderful. TJ, we look forward to uh, seeing you someday and talking to you again soon. Congratulations on the new book. Uh, drowning her second novel, of course, falling. We're gonna have. I, I get, I'm gonna have to set aside to, to shoot that golf scene with James Patterson. But other <laughs> yeah. than that, I'll just, let you know. We can coordinate specials. All right, so, <laughs> TJ. Thanks for your enthusiasm. That was really good fake enthusiasm, by the way, that you just did there. Yeah, I, see, I, it's, I, it's, her, it's her acting background. Right, that's yeah. her acting background. Gee, Tom, that'd be great. I gotta go now. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> TJ, come back soon. Love talking to you. Likewise. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This is really fun. Oh, no question about it. Ladies and gentlemen, T.J. Newman, and the book is called Drowning. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom here. For years, you've heard me talk about my friends at North American Banking Company. They have great online and mobile banking options, plus friendly employees who are always ready to help. And with their location in Maple Grove now open, it's even more convenient for me and my family. Go visit my friends at any one of their six Twin Cities locations or go online to nabankco.com to learn more. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets 
at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. You know what the average high in July in Phoenix is? 110 106. Oh, Jeez. God. I've actually been, average. I've been to Phoenix in the summertime, and Ooh, it's, I, I couldn't it's not fun. It's really yeah. weird because you don't, you know, you just don't think of the smallest things like opening up your car door. Yeah, they have to use mm-hmm. the burning yeah, your hand off to open yeah. their yeah. car doors. You have I to mean, roll down your windows or the whole, all the windows will explode because it'll get so hot in the car. That I did not know. Yeah. Or sitting down on a Bench. Oh, a metal bench. Yeah, oh, something. No, any bench. What, like, oh. <laughs> Just a bench. Yeah. But and, yeah, like and we were outdoor out. play equipment. Yeah. Get, Forget it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without the metal the slides here. It has to be yeah. in the shade. It's yeah, I was out. I was visiting my parents with my brother, Terry, and we were staying in the same hotel, and we got back, I don't know, around 11 after seeing my parents, and we decided to go to the bar and have a drink, and we sat out. We said, oh, we'll go outside. It'll be so beautiful. It was just as hot at midnight mm-hmm. as it is at noon. Yeah, the it doesn't average go down. Is it's cool. like no. It doesn't pull up at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Which that's how it's been here the last three days. Right. No, when I, I when I lived in Arizona, I remember there was one afternoon. I was like, oh, I'll go for a run. Like, it's, yeah, it's hot, but it can't be that. I mean, in the it, afternoon? I mean, it like a block, and I turned around. I was like, I'm going back <laughs> in the house and eating some ice cream. How did no. people well, live there before air conditioning? I have. Like, how? Well, there, you know. know what? The population was pretty low. Yeah, it was had to be low because they all died and, of heat stroke. Yeah, northern Arizona isn't nearly as Flagstaff horrible. Flagstaff is actually pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, because it's higher elevation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Phoenix itself, I, it's just really it's hot. Hellscape. There. Yeah, and also um, Tucson, that was kind of more of a settled area because that's got some elevation, even though it's south. It's not mm-hmm. nearly as hot as mm-hmm. Phoenix itself is very hot. No, no, terrible. 1950 they had 107,000 people. That was before air conditioning. It's not that many 100, people. It was 107,000 miserable people. Well, yeah, people that yeah. just <laughs> sat in front no, of a fan. They probably sat around and bitched about the heat they, all summer. They did the ice did. cube in front of the fan thing. The big frozen mm-hmm. cube. I wonder like, what the average high is. Let's well, see. All those adobe houses and things. You know, in you February. Yeah. They stay cool. In the average high in February is 71. Which no, I hate when people say bad. that. It's a dry heat. Okay, go stick your head in the oven. It's still like it's hot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still dry. hot. It's still really hot. It's a dry yeah. heat. When my parents were living in Phoenix full time, my mom would get up at like 6.30 in the morning mm-hmm. to water her flowers and go out golfing before you had to be home by 10. Or else you'd start to because that's when it, yeah. I mean, it's just terrible after the time. other Andy in the chat. Uh, his friend moved away from Phoenix when he saw something. What do you suppose that thing a is? A lizard or no, a snake? It's related to the heat. Oh, uh, his garbage his can melted. began to melt. <laughs> oh. uh, okay, a garbage can, a plastic garbage can. Well, plastic if it's sitting out on the nope. black would, tar, yeah. yeah. If it's sitting on, I can't yeah. even imagine how hot the black top must get. I, I can't even. It's no. probably you're, like almost 200 degrees. Your now. tires yeah. could melt, couldn't they? <laughs> well, they're rubber, so maybe. Yeah, and I mean, but, like everything oh, man. is inconvenient because then, like now, if you have to go walk your dog or something like that, like you have to think of every little. Yeah. B- before yeah. the sun comes up, you don't live in a shady no neighborhood. Right. Sorry, spot. It. I would just live. I would live my life in the nighttime. Yeah, exactly. And sleep Nocturnal. during the day. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then, when the sun's Mars. not out, again. you get up to 160 degrees in the summer. <laughs> it is. 160. It's pretty hot. That'd probably hot. melt a plastic garbage can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple That's of headlines I want to read to you, and you can guess. What it's all about. What? I had another short one. Oh, go ahead. Another old guy's having a kid. I, oh. That's what exactly yeah. what I was going to bring up hey! to you. Hey! Who? On that note. Oh, Dad, take it away, Dad. Somebody's having a child. Mick Jagger? <clears throat> nope. Somebody guy. older than Mick Jagger. Or about Ernest the same Borgnine. age. Which the Ernest Borgnine might be dead. Ernest. I think he died like six years ago. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, well, speaking of Mick Jagger, the guy that you're mentioning, the girl that is having his baby used to date Mick Jagger. Fun fact. Uh, and she's how old? She likes old rich men. She's like 29. 29. Yeah. Mm. She likes old rich men. She has a type. I <laughs> so, died 11 years ago. Okay. 11 years ago? It's been a while. Goodness. You know, the last time I talked to him, he, I was doing an interview with him on the, on the KQ morning show. Yeah. And he leans into the microphone. So, like, 
I'm sitting in Studio A, so I'm not in Studio B. Mm-hmm. And he leans in the microphone and goes, Tommy, I just farted. Okay. Like, what? Congratulations. Why would you tell me? That? Well, it's a morning show, so yeah, you know, a lot of morning uh, shows. That's uh, that's kind of the thing. Uh, apparently, people knew that he had farted in Studio oh, B. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So Gross. Uh, he looks like a farter. 83 years old, about to be a dad. 83 years old, 29 year old uh, mom, Girlfriend. Al Pacino, mm-hmm. and he looks rough. He looks like 110. He, he also like seems like, like he's insane. So. And he is. He is. Nuts. He looks like he's bananas. So does this woman has a le- have a legal right to all the money? Because that's the I'm only way. I, I yeah, can, they're yeah. not married. That's the only no. fantasy I could think she could come up with. To t- yeah, they're not married. <laughs> to hang with that is guy. Is this her? <laughs> is this her first child? Uh, it says it's, this will be the fourth child for the actor, the first for 29-year-old Noor Alfala. Noor Alfala. Yeah. Definitely need to Google search her. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's gonna go. Let's see. Yeah, she's, she's an actor slash model. Right? It'll be me dating oh, a 86-year-old. Yes. No, more than that. She's only 29. She's 29 and he's 82, Three, I think. 83. Oh, the well, thing so I saw this you're 34. 34. I'm 34. So it'll be five years, so it'll be an 88 year old. 88 year old. Yeah. <laughs> that's like not, weird. Not good. I know where you can find a whole bunch of 88 year olds. Speaking yeah, of Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Pacino, Pacino and Alfala have been linked together for about a year when they were spotted at a dinner together. Uh, though page six talked to scores at the time who said that they started quietly dating earlier in the pandemic. Mm. I mean, how, how does that end up being? Right. Who set them up? Yeah. Like, like, it's... They didn't just, they don't hang out at the same places. Like she didn't just bump into him out at the club or like somebody. And she could probably date like most anybody. Right. And right. she chooses an 83-year-old he's man who got, looks terrible. He's got a ton of money. He's going to die yep, soon. Yeah, it's all about that. Yeah. It's I mean, I feel like the man. moment he'd take his I shirt off, I'd love. be like, I'm out. He, uh, he <laughs> <laughs> not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my mind. It's not worth it. Nope. Like I said, I she's know. going, she's thinking dollar signs, dollar uh, I just, signs. He's probably, he probably owns several homes that he bought, you know, 50 years ago for $3 million, and now they're worth $50 worth? Billion and. I'm sure uh, a Andy, lot. Andy, well, Andy yeah, I'm sure out. it's a lot. Let's see. But, I mean, she could probably date a She's young... probably feeding him all kinds of cholesterol. She could be dating a <laughs> young, good-looking <laughs> actor. hundred something yeah. million. Yeah. So. hundred million? I just couldn't do it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. Because, like, in, especially, like, in today, there's so many, like, <clears throat> wealthy young people. Like, yeah. she doesn't need That's true. to find some old man to leave her some money yeah but they're all insufferable california types so i suppose i don't know but they're better to look at which is are worth they, a lot yeah there you go are they are they actually better to look at yes got a bunch Absolutely. of tattoos and piercings and obnoxious glasses have you seen al pacino I mean, please google al pacino <laughs> something like that god there's some stories in the news this morning you where do, where do we know the name Tara Reed from? Was she an actor? Tara yes. Reed was in. Um, yeah, she's an actress. What the hell was she in? She's she was, was in Sharknado, I think. Sharknado. She was in a bunch of weird. Wasn't she in the Scream movies? Wait, is that the? Am I that's not Tara Reed. I'm thinking. No, of that's a maybe different. Maybe I'm thinking of something. Oh, this is a different, that's a different Tara Reed. Yeah. yeah. Tara Reed was in American Pie, The Big yep. Lebowski. Oh yes, American Pie. Bunch so of this, stuff I've never seen. So this is a different person you're saying, Tevin. Yeah, I know who you're thinking of. Like yeah. the play that was in like the yes, another uh, blonde, right? What movie 90s did you actress, say? Scream, the Scream movie, yeah, movie. or Scary Movie. That's what you scary oh, movie? I think scary, scary movie. Yeah, she was. I don't know oh, who you're talking about. Oh yes, I'm thinking of Scary Movie. Okay, Scary Movie. I'm glad that we could figure that out as a team. <laughs> the Scary Movie cast. It's Balthazar Bethel Thompson all over again. You're thinking it's of Anna Faris. Anna Faris, yeah. Oh, I mean, potato, potato. I would, who was the blonde, blonde, middle-aged white woman? Yeah. And then there's another one, too. There's a third. Oh, there's a Tara Reid who Tara accused Reed Joe Biden of sexual assault. So that's sexual she went to, that's didn't she just go back to London? Is that the same London? one? No, She's she moved to Russia. Russia. That, there we go. Russia. She moved to Russia to get away from him, I guess. Tara Reid was in Sharknado. I was right. But hey, that's a different Tara Reid. I didn't. I, no, oh, I, yeah, that's not, not the No, it's Biden the same one. one. It's think. the same woman? Are you sure? Mm. No, because I saw a picture of the Biden one and she was no, a brunette. She, no, Tara oh, Reid, this one. Oh, is no, the... this is 
It's spelled different. It's a oh, former okay. Senate aide. Oh, different, different, different one. Terror. Not in Sharknado. <laughs> or scary movie. Not in Sharknado. <laughs> different one completely. I'm or leaning scream. toward he's guilty. You know why I'm leaning toward he's guilty? Why is that? Because he said, and I quote, I never digitally penetrated her. Now Did, that's very specific out. denial. Yeah, yeah, it really is a digitally very specific denial. Penetrated her. How do you <laughs> have finger? How, how do you do like, that? Really? A robot? <laughs> okay, so so that means I have to watch what I say because Sagey just got back. Yeah, oh, watch what you cover say. Your ears. But that means that the leading two candidates running for president right now, one's the president, <clears> one's the former president. They've both been accused of sexual assault. Yeah. Yep, sure we have. need to raise That's our standards as a country. The bar do. is yes. low. The bar Why is so are we low. doing? Why is this it's, happening? I don't know. And the one, I mean, okay, so the one that we're talking about played Vicky in the films American Pie, American Pie Two, American. That's a different yeah, that's a different, read. That's a different that's terror read. Well, that's the one that we're talking about. No, no, no we're talking about the one that read. Mr. Biden the, may or may oh, not okay. have. The Biden one is spelled like the verb read, but with an e at the end of it. Yes. Oh. Whereas the actress is uh, it's like ride. Yeah. yeah. It should be pronounced ride, assuming she's R -E -I -D. of German heritage. Nope, she's mainly Irish and a whole bunch of other crap. But Irish and a whole bunch of other crap. Scottish, Italian, <laughs> French, Hungarian, and English. I wonder if a bunch of other crap. Because it you is. have to have an ego so massive <clears throat> to run for president in the first mm -hmm. place. Is that behavior kind of like I'm so special I can do whatever I want? Oh, a hundred percent. I think it is. And then it comes to it's like if and when they get caught rather than like doing any type of damage control or anything, they point at the other candidate and be yeah. like, Well, I might have be accused of this, but it's not as bad as what they're doing over I here. Know. It's like no, it's you like we it's can horrible. Yes. How about we get a decent person to be president of the United States? We have I don't any think people? you can do that. It's not no. going to happen. I just don't think so. I think you're probably right. These people, I mean, everybody I look at now, it's like you arrogant, filthy turd-ish. Mm. Yeah, and then I think you get a lot of decent people that just get put off to the idea of doing it because they're yeah. like, it's yep. just such a scum fest that I can't, I don't want to be associated with I it. I like yeah. scum fest. Now we're talking. Well, it is a scum fest. What is the likelihood of, well, because it's going to be either potentially Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, right? Those are like the I two front no runners idea. for the Republicans. It's still a long way off. But yeah, it's and both. got a while. No, thank you. Well, what about uh, Biden? You going to vote for him? All of them, no, thank you. Okay, but that's, I'm, that's where I am. Right. All I don't of know them, if no Biden's going to run again. I hope not. <laughs> he said, he, he, said, he, said he, he is. He's too old. He's way too old. What do you mean? He's only 10 years old and somebody I know. Yeah, ten years old. Ten years. Ten years makes is, a big difference. Yeah. Now, do you want to right. be president in ten Especially years? Especially for president, right. like being mm -hmm. yeah. Sage, let me ask you a question. Do you think I'm too old to be in kindergarten? Big nod. Like you thought about it at first. Like, yeah, could I sneak you in? Let me think about it. Let me think. It'd be that like that Adam fun. Sandler movie. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Billy Madison. Big Daddy. Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Yeah. Just. What's high school like? Stay here. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Wait, oh, hold on. I can't hear you. What? I'm too little to be in first grade? No. I'm too little to be in first grade. Are you? You're not too I don't think that's true. You're going into first grade. You're not too He's going little. into kindergarten. Next year. Oh, he is? <laughs> <laughs> He's going into kindergarten. He's going into kindergarten. the year. Some people go into first grade when they're five. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. He's asking me more questions. No. What? Yeah. Nope. No, I, that, to, I don't no. think that's accurate. You have to be six. You have to be... Because you legally don't you have can't. to go to yeah. kindergarten. I'm too little. Really? I think you have to go to kindergarten, but not preschool. Yeah. Sage, you don't have to go to preschool. I don't think in some states you have to go to kindergarten, but I don't think in Minnesota you have yeah. to legally oh, okay. go to kindergarten. Yeah. But you can't start kindergarten until like you're five, and then you turn six in kindergarten, so you have to be six to start first grade. I don't think ah. you can be five and start first grade. Sage, you just told me I'm too little to be in kindergarten. <laughs> too little to be in kindergarten. First grade, you have to be six years old on or yeah. before September 1st. Yeah, that's the cutoff. What? Like Dan's birthday was September 4th, and so he was like, so he's like One a full the, yeah, year yeah. older than all of his friends. Fawn or, has two girls in her class that are over a year apart because they both have middle August birthdays. Mm. And that's uh, like the. Mm. And Fawn could technically be 
graduating from kindergarten this year. She could have stayed because of her birthday because yeah. it's like mid-May to September 1st is kind of the, the gray zone gray zone of, I guess you could start mm-hmm. whenever. So when, you're, too. so when you're making the decision of like, do we send her now or do we wait, for like wait yeah. a year so we can be older? Did you want to wait and like have her be the smartest <laughs> it was really tough. kindergartner? It was really tough for her. It was hard because she's really small for her age. Yeah. And so I was like, well, she'll either be the smallest person in her class and the young, one of the younger people in her class, or she could be kind of similar sized and be older and be, yeah, like really smart and mm-hmm. advanced and stuff. But her preschool teacher was like, send her. She's ready. She'll be super bored if she stays in preschool another year. She's And then he loves school more than anyone I've ever met in my life. And his teachers have said that the, he's been bored in preschool for the last six months. Hmm. So I'm like, well, I guess I mean, we're starting them both in fa- at five. Yeah, I have a they, question. They don't do a whole lot. I their preschool they have. There's playtime and stuff, but then there is structured stuff that they do as well. It's not like just finger daycare. Painting and, not like it like, was when we nap. were kids. Yeah, like day, home. Yeah, daycare preschool can there be different than like when school I, preschool. When I was in kindergarten, I had half days. The greatest thing ever. Just like walking Fun out. Fun started in yeah. half days at kindergarten. Their school has half days, which doesn't really happen anymore. That's no. You. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember the last week we would have to like learn how to go through the lunch line because we never ate lunch oh yeah part of our like curriculum yeah fawn did half days the first half of the year and then full days the second half of the year because i was like you need to be your stamina needs to be built up for first grade (laughs) okay i have a question oh okay very quick question okay okay i started school when i was four years old and I started first grade when I yeah. was five years old. See, so you snuck in under they don't do that some That's because twins went and sixties. Right. Get rid of me. Begged. Get them out of the house. Get they, this yeah. maniac I was some weird fifties. Nobody cares. Right. Yeah. They rang. He looks the tall enough. Yeah, people still. The teachers probably smoked indoors when you yeah. were. Yeah. Probably like, did. The same like, rules probably lied about your age. Although <laughs> the same rules don't apply. I mean, even from the nineties, things have changed. You know what yes. my first? So. You know what my first school memory is at four years old? No. I can't say her name because she's a private citizen, but I do remember I her I have name. a feeling she was a private citizen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she might not be a private citizen anymore. Maybe I could say her name. Yeah, she was probably, what, 20 years older than you, so... <clears throat> That's true. Yeah. I mean, she could still be alive. Still be alive. But I do remember, um, I'm four years old. I start uh, kindergarten at Emerson School in uh, right across the street from... Well, down one block from Loring Park. It's right over there, 12, 1200 Spruce Place. Right? I started school, and all of a sudden, I found out that my teacher, Ms. So-and-so, Johnson, uh, was uh, going to uh, take a little time off to have a baby. Right. Right? And that wasn't announced at first, but then I found out why they didn't announce why she was leaving at first, because Ms. Blah 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 was single. She wasn't well, Mrs. Ms. Right. Yeah. She was not Mrs. Scandalous. Yeah. So scandalous. Well, my, so scandalous. My very first teacher got How knocked up and left the school. I feel like half of my teachers got pregnant at some point. Oops. Were, oh. were they any of I feel like elementary school teachers yeah, they, are usually just like younger. Yes. Just yeah. yeah, the second grade teacher at Fawn School just left because she had a baby yeah. and decided she wanted to stay home. I'm like, yep, these things happen. Yeah, we had a... Yeah, these things do happen. Mrs. Bjorkdahl. <laughs> That's yeah. life. She had a baby had when one. we were there. And the one before her. Babies yeah, will change your life. Of, there no were a lot of babies. about it. Christy, my sister-in-law, had three children, and she's a teacher. Yeah. And depending on what school you teach at, like, so I have a friend of a friend who they had to have, like, a very rushed... We have to hurry up and get married because they teach at like a Catholic school or something like that. And they're oh. like, if they find out yeah. that we're having this baby before we're married, there's mm. probably going to be some oh, yeah. repercussions. Like you could get oh, fired. Yeah. Yep. Yikes. Yeah, I remember I had a friend. What was her dilemma? She was work. She was very, very religious, and she, yeah, she was getting a job, and she there was a question. At this at Crown College, it was Crown College, which is a very religious mm-hmm. school. And she said, "I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I have to lie to get the job." 
What um, was the question I, I don't, about the I just, job? I can't remember. It was some sort of like more. On a scale from one to ten, how much do you love Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> she loved Jesus yeah, a lot, so that wasn't the question. Well, it was, some, it was some <clears throat> stupid. It was some stupid thing. Do you live with a like? Did you ever? Yeah, I don't know if it was like if you ever. Gender. Do you drink or something like something yeah. dumb? It's like none of you your know. business. Yeah, drink a lot. Exactly. It was something like that, and she's like, and she was very religious, so she didn't want to lie, but she wanted the job, and I, I said, I can't help you with this. What am I supposed to tell you to lie? Right. Make you're you like, feel lie. better? Oh, Catherine lie. said to lie, so now it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna have to figure this one out for yourself. Well, if an even says you can lie, then you can say you were tricked by. You know, yeah, you know, that's right. By the devil. And I'm sure, like in yeah. those situations, it's like if it's like a do you drink, and you're like yes, but I'm not also not an alcoholic. If that's what you're trying yeah, to ask, so you're like, like I need to explain myself here. Yeah, but some religions don't allow yeah. any alcohol, so mm-hmm. not a lot though. It's pre- basically just Islam. Baptists don't drink. Mm-hmm. I thought huh. Jesus turned his blood to water, wine. Wine. water to wine. wine. So yeah. to be... That was Jesus, and yeah. that's Jesus can do what he wants. But Baptist people or Jesus people. I know. That's what I'm right. saying. Yeah. I'm Baptist, yeah. I believe. Oh, my, well, my sister-in-law grew up in a Baptist household, and there was no drinking and no dancing. <clears throat> no music. Unless I mean, it was approved by the church. I would say that must be like a white Baptist thing, because if yeah. you go to like a Southern Baptist yeah. church, there's a lot of dancing, and there's mm-hmm. probably going to be some drinking there, too. But yeah, they were dancing for Jesus. Oh, oh okay. Southern so you like saying yeah. Footloose it's style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the music, had, uh, the music they listened to had to be approved by the church. They could mm-hmm. only go see movies that were approved by the church. I was like, this sounds like a cool. Yes. Southern Baptists, it seems to be like half and half. Southern Baptists, I went... About half of them don't drink. I went to a Southern Baptist service for college because I was in a theology class that you had to go to three different religions services. Mm -hmm. And I went to a Southern Baptist one in Golden Valley, and it was so freaking fun. Yeah. Everyone was so nice. I was the only white person there, and they were just like, come here. Yep. and like hugging me and dancing and singing and I was like okay and everybody's probably like in suits like all the women oh my have these extravagant hats, hats so on so yes. fancy I think the there was a woman yeah. in a sequin gown oh my I was God. like I okay it was yep. so fun do they have northern baptists big fan I don't I know is that the white ones <laughs> northern <laughs> baptists the white ones and then eastern yes, exactly. baptists are asian yes yeah, eastern baptists I don't think are they're all early Asian. not a whole lot there's of those. No Asian baptists <laughs> what are the western baptists Western Baptist, Cowboys? Russian. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> no, Western Baptist, yeah. I wonder, what religion were cowboys? Were they Protestant? I don't think they had. They right. must have. The country was their religion. Probably Protestant. <laughs> I would guess Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they had a religion. Just them and their horse. As soon as I started, I couldn't even finish because it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Last God. night I was reading, Fawn has this book about Leonardo da Vinci, and I was reading it, and I started to read it into it in an Italian accent, and then it morphed into, like, Jamaican. <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? What Yama? the hell? <laughs> it was really weird. I get this idea for an invention. I, know. Was, I was like, that came Famous out. Famous Leonardo da Vinci quote. It really changed over the course of a paragraph. Accents can do that. I yeah. know. It's just sitting there, like, very confused as to what's oh, yeah. going on. Oh, she was doing handstands and backbends. She wasn't even really paying attention. That's, that's I was trying Ethan to get now. her attention to come and lay down, but she was all wound up, and I was like, you got to go to yeah, sleep. Yeah, at this point, Ethan is, yeah, we're reading, and he's trying his hardest to do a somersault. He <laughs> <laughs> can't do it quite yet, really? but he's close. His legs aren't long enough to right. push him he can over. Get, he can get about halfway through it, and then he'll do, like, a flop, sideways side turn. Yeah. And, so it's like a you know, well, modified somersault. It's a flop over right. at this Hannah, point. What are you doing Friday? Uh, what time of the day? Uh, the mid-afternoon. I don't know why. Well, because Andy and Melissa and Ethan are coming over, and I want to see your kids and Ethan on the bounce house. Yeah, we could come over. They have swimming They're lessons. They're going to love the bounce oh, house. They have God, swimming the lessons at the bounce house. Like, how big is this bounce house? Like, no, 1,500 you, no, square feet. Like no, no, no I'm not it. saying, like, can I come over as well and jump it's in like this It's like half the size of, of this room. Okay, so that's a good, that's a it's very good-sized bounce house. You can't be over five feet tall or over 100 pounds to bounce in it. Okay, well, that's unfortunate. So you're out of the mix. Yeah, you can't bounce in it. I can't even bounce in it. 
but I cannot wait to see that little yeah, boy. Yeah, we'll come over. The kids have swimming lessons until 11 in Egan, and then we can yeah. come over. Yeah, oh, between Andy Sage, and Fawn, and noon. the neighbor kids, they were they were mistreating that bounce house oh like nobody's God. business. Oh, yeah, they Sage were turning it off, turning it, it on when they were in it, uh, jumping yep. over the like side. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I assume they just sleep extremely well after Swimming lessons house, in Bounce House, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. They have been. They both slept until like eight forty this morning. What? Yeah. Wow. And they went to bed early last night, so they were just. They were wiped catching out. Catching up on sleep. No, that Bounce House is <laughs> going to be a big hit with Ethan. I'm telling you, he's going to love oh, yeah. it. He's going to go nuts. Yeah, well, he can't the... go in there without Fawn and Sage. Because well, Fawn and Sage, Fawn doesn't have. She's done with school tomorrow. Yeah, but they can't go wild with an. With no, him. they know. He'll go flying. Fawn knows. Fawn is always very I'm, aware I, of Ethan's I know. safety. I'm not worried about Fawn. Sage, I am worried yeah. about. Sage, we'll have to remind a few times. Sage, I am definitely worried about. We'll have to remind Sage is one of those times. kids. Don't do that. He instantly does it. Yes. There yeah. Is yeah, we have a play date in the evening, but in the afternoon we can come over. Well, I'd be coming in the afternoon. It'd be great. All right, that's going to do it. I thought TJ was a great guest. She's a great job. guest. And what, uh, I mean, she must be a very talented writer to have all that happen with her first two books. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.